Hey there, welcome to the Agents of Revival podcast. If you're ready to be healed and take full accountability of your life by evolving into your best self, then this is the podcast for you. I am your host, Andrea Griffin Rogers, and I'll share with you winning steps as well as personal tips and anecdotes on how to go from brokenness to wholeness and from scattered pieces to inner peace. So come on in and join me on this healing journey and let's become whole together. Enjoy it. Hey guys, what's up? I'm so glad to join you again today for another edition of the Messy Miracle series. We are in part two and today's message is practice makes purpose. Not perfect, but practice makes purpose. Before I get into the message, we're going to say a prayer because we have a lot to cover today, especially with scripture text that God gave me because we're going to focus on one man, but he's so much full. Um, His story is so much ingrained in a lot of the text. So it's going to take us a little minute, y'all. So let's get through it. Let's get our prayer out there so we don't be in here too long. Okay. Spirit of the living God, we come to you right now. I just want to say thank you for allowing my brothers and my sisters to hear a word from you guys. Speak, Lord, your servants are listening. May I be decreased in this moment so that you may be increased, so that when I speak, your children will hear a word from you, Father God. Lord, you know exactly what your children need to hear in this moment. So speak, Lord, your servants are listening. Get the glory out of this moment. Give direction, give clarity, give insight, give revelation. Give what each child needs in this moment, Heavenly Father. You know where where each person is listening from and you know what's going on in their life, God. So I ask that you calm the storms and the winds around them and say peace be still in their hearts and their mind. Knowing that they are yours, you know exactly who they are, you know where they are, you have a purpose for it all. This is my prayer, God. Get the glory, Lord, that this a seed fall on good ground and produce good fruit this i pray in jesus name amen all right guys so today's message about uh practice makes purpose uh i was actually just you know talking to god about you know where are we going to take this messy miracle series because i had so many ideas but again i may make my plans the lord determines my steps as it says in proverbs 16 so it's like okay god i'm just going to show up how you want me to show up and so i was thinking about what we talked about yesterday um in terms of the first messy miracles of like are you really ready for what you're praying for and so it made me think about this, what practice makes purpose. And I thought about my own life and some of the things that I've been praying for and how God has been preparing me. That's the practice part. He's been preparing me for what I've been praying for. So again, I don't tell you guys anything that I haven't done myself, any um, any work that I haven't done on myself. I don't share that with you um, unless I've done it. So understand that anything I minister to you, I preach to you, I teach to you are things that I've applied to my own life. That's why I say in the beginning of the podcast, like I'm giving you practical steps and winning solutions because I've applied them to my life. I've applied these biblical principles to my life and I've seen the results and they're good. So I'm just giving y'all the inside scoop, so to speak, (laughs) so you can apply them to your life. And so... Um, the, what came to mind or who came to mind rather, as I was reflecting on how to show up for this message, I was preparing to give you this word and it was Peter y'all. 
Peter came to mind. And if you don't know who Peter is, Peter was one of the first disciples to follow Jesus. And, you know, a lot of theologians um, speculate that Peter was a cussing disciple. There's there's nowhere in the text that really says that. But it does show that Peter was a little radical. He was a little rowdy. He was about that life. Okay. So that's why people say, oh, yeah, Peter cussed. Peter, Peter was a cusser. But, you know, for me, one thing that uh, I've been or I feel like God has been doing in my life because I've taught about Peter in many classes I've taught. And I feel like God has had me redeem or revive Peter's image into the image that he always wanted to be. Because I feel like Peter gets such a bad rap. Everybody remembers Peter for denying Jesus. And I've heard so many pastors, women and men, talk about how if that was them, what they would have did differently. And I'm like, child, bye. Okay, please set several seats because you don't know how you would have reacted in that moment. Heck, some of y'all can't even stand up right now and claim that you have Jesus if you do a little bit of persecution. Let somebody on social media say that your sermon went against their, um, their societal norm. What culture says is okay. Then you, ooh, you shaking in your boots and you about to apologize. You apologize for God's word. So don't come to me unless I send for you. <laughs> As Kenya Moore says. But no, don't come to me about, you know, how if you were in Peter's shoes, what you would have done differently. I don't even want to hear it because you don't know how you would have handled that situation. I mean, think about it. They saw how the Romans crucified people jesus was not the first person to be crucified so they saw how brutal their crucifixion was and they including peter saw what jesus was about to endure even from the get-go of being in the garden of gethsemane praying and and you know he was sweating drops of blood because he's praying so hard and and so he saw the chaos. He went along the journey with Jesus for three years and saw the hatred in the Pharisees' eyes that wanted, and even the Sadducees that wanted to kill Jesus. He saw it every single day for three years. So don't tell me that you would have handled Peter's situation a little bit better uh, because of how you how you look at yourself today. Like, let's take a real evaluation of our hearts, man, and see, would I really have done anything different than Peter? Yes, you you would hope that you wouldn't have denied Jesus when people asked, but what would that have entailed? Would you really have been ready to endure the cross just like Jesus had you in that moment when the people were asking Peter, and I'll get to the text in a minute, but when the people were asking Peter, oh yeah, aren't you one of the disciples? Peter did not know at that time that they weren't going to go put him on the cross. So he was afraid. I mean, really read. If, you, if you've never done a history lesson, never read your Bible, go Google, go search what crucifixion was, what it looked like. Heck, go check out The Passion of Christ, the movie. It was brutal. Peter did not know at that moment when he was being asked if he was about to go that same route or not. So understand the fear. You know, we in this Western civilization, because that's mainly what you hear from. 
you know, you've gotten so cushy in your faith because America and even in England, it's made it comfortable for you to say at this point in 2023 what you believe in. And there was a time where it, you weren't able to say that you believe in what you believe. But now it's like become so comfortable to just say what you believe and you don't have to deal with any persecution. But there are our brothers and sisters that are in other parts of the world that are persecuted every single day, just like in Jesus' time. They are enslaved, they are beaten, they are raped, they are murdered for their faith. This was the time, even when the Bible was written, they were telling us that even when you go through persecutions, like James says in James 1, stand tall, hold on to your faith, basically, because your brothers and sisters everywhere are going through it. You're not the only ones, but it's just that in our 2023 you know, climate of Christendom, people have gotten so comfortable where it's like, oh, you can say you're a Christian and go back to the club and keep drinking and smoking and partying and nothing got changed about your heart posture. You can cuss somebody out and keep it moving and and hide behind the mask of Christian and, and nothing happens. People don't even question it anymore. People don't even expect for you to step up to the plate and really show that you are a follower of Jesus anymore. It's just a word at this point, sadly. And that's why you have many modern Christians that are like, I'm done with your religious traditions. I'm done with that religion DNA. I talked about it yes, uh, a few days ago in the podcast. Like, you're, you're done with it. You're done with that mentality. You don't, you don't even want it no more. You don't even want to be called a Christian no more. You just want to say you follow Jesus. You love Jesus. Because you're realizing that people say they're Christians and aren't living the Christian life. Hello, somebody. Man, Jesus taking this message where you want to take it. So, you know, when it comes to Peter, you know, I, people, I hope that today will give you a different perspective on Peter's story, on Peter's journey. Maybe you'll see yourself in Peter because I know I have. That's something that God has allowed me to do um, over these last few years of transitioning me um, is really see Peter in a different light. You know, I feel like, you know, I got to stand up for my homeboy, okay? <laughs> because he's gotten such a bad rep and nobody extends grace and mercy to the character, to the, the true story of Peter and putting themselves in Peter's shoes. See, when I read the text, I don't just read the Bible. I read it by putting myself in that predicament. How would I have handled that situation? Would I have been so bold as I think I would have had I been encountering the type of strife and struggle and persecution and and Babylonian enslavement and whatnot that they went through even uh, even in the enslavement in Egypt Egypt excuse me what I had been just you know as bold as Moses as bold as Daniel Daniel excuse me or would I have crumbled like I put myself in the scripture text to really look at it from the human perspective instead of just reading a story as if I'm reading a fairy tale so today's scriptures, we're going to cover a, a, a couple of chapters um, different in different books as well. So right now we're going to start at Luke chapter 5, verse 1 through 11. That's Luke chapter 5, verse 1 through 11. And if you look at the title of this, it's called The First Disciples. But it really focuses on um, Peter and Jesus' interaction. And so it starts with this. One day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. 
Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, who's also named Peter, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. First of all, let me pause right there. Now, you got to think about, put yourself in that predicament. You see some stranger, because this is, this is be the beginning, in a sense, of Jesus' ministry. So you see some stranger coming up to you, and they telling you what to do with your boat. They didn't even say they're going to pay you for it. They just, they just said, let me, let me step into your boat and push it out. You know, how, how would you feel about that? I mean, really put yourself in that predicament. Hello, somebody. Some of y'all will see somebody you know, even your neighbor needing a ride to somewhere, and you would act like you don't see him. You would close your blinds and everything. So <laughs> don't like don't gas yourself up, y'all. Put yourself in this predicament now. Uh and so going into um verse four. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, also named Peter, now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Now, for those of you that don't know Jesus' backstory, he was a carpenter. So hold on, bruh. How you a carpenter coming to a fisherman telling him how to do his job? <laughs> it makes me think of uh, a recent um, encounter that I had with someone and I was going into their profession and I was just asking questions. But they got so, you know, taken aback by the questions I was asking and kind of was like, I know how to do my job. And I was like, well, I wasn't saying you didn't know how to do your job. I was just trying to understand it. But in this predicament, Jesus is like saying, I'm telling you how to do your job. I'm not even asking you, do you know? I'm telling you what to do. Again, how would you feel if somebody came into your job, came into your office, came into your business, and was telling you how to do your job? You ain't going to be like, oh, Father God, yes, surely, no problem. You're going to probably have a little bit of attitude, okay? (laughs) And so, continuing on, Peter responds and says, Master, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nuts down again. And I talked about this uh, in the first season of the podcast adopted if you say so principle so go and check that out i went into full detail of like just how powerful what peter says in this moment really is but i'm gonna continue on and at this time their nets were so full of fish they began to tear a shout for help 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 come on help me please brought their partners in the other boat and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh, Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. How many of you, even right now, God has been stirring on your heart to go into purpose. He's trying to push you into the purpose that he has for you, into the destiny he has for you. Like he just gave Peter his destiny, his purpose in a sense. And you don't even want to do it. So how are you sitting there pumping, knucking if you buck? Like, oh yeah, if I was Peter, I would have did this differently. You ain't doing it differently now. <laughs> okay. God told you to go to the right and you said he going to the left like Jonah. You ain't even trying to follow directions. Cha bye. 
And so now we go into Matthew chapter 16 and we're going to start the 13th verse. And this is Peter's declaration about Jesus. And so it says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciples, who do people say that the son of man is? (laughs) Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah and others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Then Jesus asked them, but who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. There are some translations that say all the gates of hell will not prevail. Anyway, continue on in verse 19. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. And whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Then he sternly warned disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. And so here again is, is Jesus reiterating and giving more context to Peter's purpose. I've talked about it many times before throughout this season of like God may give you... Um, I was about the other day about the bamboo shoot. God may give you either the seed for the bamboo, for the for the uh, vision, the goal, the purpose he has for you. Or he'll give you the plant, which is like he'll give you the full picture and then say, now plant it, water it, work it, let it grow into more. You know, but either way, it's, it's not going to stay where it's at. And so we saw in the first text that Peter was, you know, told that he would fish for men. And that was it. And then he followed Jesus. That was this. That was the one marching order that he had. But as he grew with Jesus, as we see here in Matthew 16, then God, then Jesus revealed more of Peter's destiny, more of Peter's uh, purpose and assignment to him. You know, that's why y'all can't just read the Bible. As Travis Green says, you got to read the Bible. <laughs> And so, you know, one of the things that I wanted to point out, because I know you, you may be like, well, how does this kind of tie into everything? The point is that practice makes purpose. One of the things that Peter was doing while he was working and walking with Jesus was practice. Because there's also a point in the text where Jesus sends out the disciples two at a time. And they were meant to go out into the surrounding nations and teach about the good news of Jesus Christ. Teach the people to repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And if they went into these towns and said, um, you know, shalom, which is peace be with you. If the people didn't receive it, then they were meant to dust their feet as if leaving the people to their fate. But if the people did receive them, then they would go there and stay there for as long as God allowed them to be there to teach the gospels, uh, the good news, basically, which is what the gospels mean of Jesus Christ. And so that's what, you know, Peter was on a journey of learning, of, of putting into practice the first call, the first seed that God gave him, that Jesus gave him of, I will teach you how to fish for men. Follow me. God will give you the one thing first, and it's up to you to work that one thing. If you don't work that one thing, it it never makes purpose. Not perfect. It never makes purpose because we're perfected in Christ Jesus each and every day. As long as we walk in him and grow in him. 
But if he gives you and he gives us all a purpose, a task, an assignment to achieve in the earth and you don't achieve it or you think that, well, where you are right now, you're ready to launch. I talked about before. You're not ready yet. You know, as I said yesterday, are you really ready for what you're praying for? And as I broke it down, some people may have realized if you listen to the episode, if you didn't go back, listen to it. You're not really ready as, as, as much as you thought you were. There's some more practice that you have to implement. There's some more work that has to be done. There's some more things in you that God has to prune out of you. And so you have to go through that process. But that process will eventually produce purpose. But you got to start with the practice first. And this is, you know, I'm kind of breaking down different parts of the scripture. It's a lot where Peter talked about, but I've just picked some key points you know, so that you can see along the journey, Peter had his missteps. Peter had, you know, had, you know, slipped and failed a few times. Peter messed up, made some mistakes, but that's part of the practice. Once you go through the practicing process, you'll find some stumbling blocks. You'll find some areas in which you need to fix. But from you doing that work, then you get to the point where purpose happens, but it doesn't come until you get the practice first. And so Matthew 19, verse 27 through 30. Then Peter said to him, we've given up everything to follow you. What will we get? Jesus replied. I assure you that when the world is made new and the son of man sits upon his glorious throne, you have been my followers will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel and everyone who has given up houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or property for my sake will receive a hundred times as much in return and will inherit eternal life. But many who are the greatest now will be the least important then. And those who seem least important now will be the greatest then. And so here's another moment where Peter has a, a human response to say, wait a minute, bruh. Now I didn't gave up everything to follow you. And I about this scripture text before about the rich man. He gave up everything to follow Jesus. And he's saying, um, you know, well, what do we get for, for doing all this? Because even though along the way, Jesus was revealing more and more parts of the puzzle to Peter of his full potential, his full purpose, Peter still didn't see the end goal. So in a sense, this is Jesus telling him the end goal is this. Aside from what I've already told you, you're going to do in the earth, even outside of the earth, when you get to heaven, you're going to be seated in places of honor because of your obedience now practice makes purpose y'all and so now i'm going to go to luke 22 verse 54 starting at the 54th verse and it um and i'm probably going to stop at the 62nd verse and it says uh, again luke 22 54 so they arrested him and led him to the high priest's home now, just a little quick backstory. This is now at the time where Jesus is on his way to be crucified. So he's now in his trial period. Uh, so they arrested him and led him to the high priest's home. And Peter followed at a distance. The guards lit a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat around it. And Peter joined them there. A servant girl noticed him in the firelight and began staring at him. Finally, she said, this man was one of Jesus' followers. But Peter denied it. Woman, he said, I don't even know him. After a while, someone else looked at him and said, you must be one of them. No, man, no, man, I told you I ain't one of them. 
Peter retorted. About an hour later, someone else insisted. This must be one of them. I'm telling y'all, this must be one of them. Because he is a guy legging too. Of course he gotta be one of them. He come from the same area, y'all, the same tribe. But Peter said, man, listen. Okay, I ain't gonna tell y'all again. I don't know what you talking about, Willis. And immediately, he was, as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. At that moment, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Suddenly, the Lord's words flashed through Peter's mind. And Jesus said to him earlier in the text, Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny three times that you even know me. And Peter left the courtyard weeping bitterly. And so this is the point out somewhere in the beginning where people normally start to stone Peter and they're and they talk bad about Peter and they're like, yeah, Peter dropped the ball. Peter had one of the same people that Peter dropped the ball. But again, put yourself in these shoes. Peter didn't know at that moment that if he would have said yes, would he have been crucified in that moment? He had a real human experience of fear. We all experience fear at, at, at some level. It could be fear of the unknown or fear of bugs or fear of snakes or planes or heights or whatever. But all of us fear of death even. All of us have some sort of fear. So put yourself in this predicament with Peter. Give grace. Because would you have responded in the way you think you would have responded? Or would you have responded in the most human way that Peter responded? But thank God that he never changes his mind. Jesus, you know, God said in Isaiah 55, 11, my word will not return to me void. So that meant that whatever God spoke about you and somebody in Jeremiah 1, 5, before he formed you in your mother's womb, he knew you and he set you apart to do an assignment in the earth. So that meant that if he spoke it and allowed you to be born, his word is not going to turn to him void. There's a purpose for your life. And so no matter how many twists and turns you do, no matter how much you don't want to practice for your purpose, no matter how much you try to run away from it, it's going to still prevail. It's going to still haunt you and run you down. Some way, shape, or form, whether you do it willingly or unwillingly, and the reason why I say unwillingly is not that God drags you to it. It's that like we learned in Jonah that, okay, he'll allow you to go the wrong way. And then you'll fall into a ditch. And when you eventually fall into a ditch and you can't get up and then you want to cry out to your father, then he picks you up and puts you on the right path towards the original purpose he already had for you. And many of you know that many of you um, are older and you may have experienced life where you wanted, you had dreams and plans and goals. Maybe you were in your 20s or 30s and they never happened. But then that you're in your 40s, 50s and 60s, you're seeing it come back around. Those same dreams and goals that you once had, once had, excuse me, it's coming right back around. And now you're like, okay, bet, I'm excited to, to do it again. Because now you're ready. But at the time, you weren't ready and you weren't willing to sacrifice and, and, and put into practice for your purpose. We talked about it before. You know, are you really ready for what you're praying for? And so maybe you prayed about it years ago, but you weren't ready. Every time God presented it to you, you ran away. You came with some excuse as to why you couldn't do it yet. But now you may find yourself in a place where you're like, Okay, I think I'm ready now. I really am. I'm tired of sitting on the bench. I want to get into the game, coach. Tag me in. I'm really ready now. And so God is tagging you in, but he's saying you got to practice in order to make purpose. Peter went through a journey of practicing in various stages, not only just practicing um, how to preach the gospel, how to stand up and speak in front of people, but he also had to practice how to stand 
And what I mean by that is standing in your faith, no matter what comes against you, being able to, you know, stand unwavering, you know. And so we see in Peter's story that, yes, even in this moment, he wavered in his faith. He went through that fearful stage, but thank God that he didn't, you know, leave him there. In John 21, we see that, you know, when Jesus appears to seven disciples, he also in that text, and it's too much to read, so I'm just going to paraphrase it real quick. He also in that text restores Peter. The same way that G- that Peter denied Jesus three times when Jesus was about to be crucified, Jesus comes back after he's resurrected and restores Peter three times to say, do you love me? Follow, follow me, feed my sheep. Do you love me? Basically fish for the people. He kept reiterating I, my word when returning me voice. So I already spoke it to you when I first met you, Peter, three years ago, that you were going to fish for men. I understand that along the way you stumbled and fell. You may, you, you know, you couldn't put into practice your faith in order to stand against the persecution. But in this moment, because you went through the rejection of me and you and you felt the sorrow in your heart and the shame and guilt. Now I'm restoring you and taking that shame and guilt away from you because I already died for your sins on the cross. So I've already forgiven you for that. Now I'm going to restore you, revive you into the person you were always meant to be. Hello, somebody. Come on, revival. And so Jesus said it to Peter, restoring him back to reviving him back to the person, resuscitating him to who he was always meant to be. And so when we fast forward then to Acts chapter two, you realize the culmination, you know, and this doesn't end Peter's journey. But I'm saying you realize that he had to go through so much of a journey of practicing different things and different parts of his faith and different parts of his ministry so that when Acts chapter 2 came and here comes another form of persecution in the sense where the people are calling them crazy because they in Acts chapter 2 they get blessed with the fire of the Holy Spirit and it comes as tongues and it gives them the ability to speak in other languages so that the people around them can understand what they were saying and so that's what speaking in tongues is and so he, you know, Peter tells, calms the crowd down that wants to basically stone them and call them crazy. And he says, we are not crazy, nor, we, nor are we drunk. It, nine o'clock in the morning, too early for that. <laughs> and I'm telling y'all the Bible, I'm not paraphrasing. That's the Bible. He says, nine o'clock in the morning, it's too early to be drinking. So if you feel a little conviction right now, go to the Father. Because <laughs> that ain't me, boo. But, you know, and he says, uh, standing tall now in faith, he gives them God's word. He gives them the truth about Jesus. And do you know what happens? Now, Peter, again, the culmination of his purpose comes into fruition because he practiced over the time and it made purpose. And so because in that moment when Jesus told him anyway, years before that you were fish for men, now he able, he's able to fish for men. And so now 3,000, just like when Jesus first called him and all the fish came pouring into the boat and into the net. It's the same thing. 3,000 plus people came and joined the church, joined the movement of following Jesus. All because of Peter's testimony. Why do I have to go through this process to tell you this? Because some of you out there, you know, maybe don't understand why you got to practice or maybe want to hurry up and get to your purpose and your destiny. and You want to get to your their moment so soon. But God is saying, I need you to practice first. I need you to work with what I'm telling you to work with first. And you may feel like, well, I've been doing this for too long. I'm ready for the next stage. Unless God speaks it to you, 
and tells you that you're ready for the next stage, then you're not ready. You know, when I think about me, you know, I talked about it before about uh, my podcast. You know, a few years ago, when a friend of mine, this is, I will say the earliest I could think of probably might have been 2018 or 19. And we were talking about doing a podcast together. And I wasn't really ready at the time. And they weren't the right person to do it with anyway, which is why they're not here. And that's why you got me. <laughs> but, you know, it, it, I wasn't really ready, which is why I couldn't even then do it on my own. Because at that time, I even said, well, if they're not going to do it, I'm not going to do it. But that was a seed that God was planting in me to even start speaking about the podcast because he knew I eventually have that in store for you. But I understand you're not ready, so you got to practice to get ready. And so part of my practice phase came in me teaching small groups, teaching classes to people so that I can get comfortable with speaking my story in front of other people and, and standing in the anointing and the authority that God has given me. Also, part of that practice came, you know, continuing to write on my blog that I once had and sharing my story publicly with people all over the world. I mean, I, had, I even had people reading in Australia that would respond to me. And, and, it, and I had to get to that point. Again, the practice helped birth this purpose. And, and though this is not my full purpose of the podcast, there's so many other things that God is doing in my life. But I, I realized as I connect the dots of all along, God was positioning me and transitioning me through the stages to get to this point. And as I am now in my transition season, on my way to my ascension season, there's still things I'm putting into practice. There's still things I have to learn. There's new assignments that God has given me that I now find myself back studying for. And I remember telling my spiritual mentor recently of like, man, I feel like I'm back at stage one again. And it wasn't a bad thing of me saying it. It was like, because I feel the jitters all over again. I feel the like nervousness all over again. I feel like the, the, am I really ready for this? And you know, cause again, I tell you guys things that I'm going through myself and so I did like, okay, am I really ready for this? All right. I got to get ready. I got to prepare. You know, I got to do some more studying. I got to start, you know, reading different books and I got to buy some new books and material. I got to sign up for new courses that God, wants to, that God wants me to sign up for. Because just real quick, your purpose may not be, especially when you're starting, you may not need the extra education that you think you need. God may, you know, everything that you have right now, you have to start right now. But as you grow along the way, God may say, okay, I need you to learn this new skill set. And so that's what's happened to me. It's like now I'm at a place where God's like, okay, I need you to learn a little bit more about this because I'm shifting your assignments and I need you to move in a direction I'm taking you. So you have to learn a little bit more about this and what this is on that level. You know, um, even real quick about relationships, because I know there's some singles out there that listen to my ministry. Uh, you know, hello, my fellow singles, <laughs> women and men, how y'all doing? We're going to get the, okay, we're going to be all right. <laughs> but, you know, even with that, for me, God's already put it in my heart. He's already shown me vision that I'm going to be married. He already showed me what he already has in store for me. And it's been a desire of mine since a little girl, which was placed in my heart by the father. And he made sure that I had healthy marriages around me so that I understood what it would take. But even though I grew up with those marriages around me and, and, and you know, some of them are still going really strong um, 30 plus years later, I, there was still more I had to learn. I thought I knew everything because of what I saw growing up. But now that I'm getting closer to the destiny moment where I'll meet my husband, God is saying, I need you to learn a little bit more. 
I need you to understand not only what it means to be a helpmate, but also to understand how your purposes are to align. I need you to understand um, the, the prophetic gift I placed on you and, and how, you know, your partner may have the same thing and how you're going to be able to help that person with that and, and how you guys are going to build my kingdom vision. And, and so there's so much more that I'm finding myself having to relearn all over again on a new level. Because new levels, new devils. And so I have to realize that, okay, there's going to be more warfare on that level. But God is right now giving me the practice I need. And that was part of the process of dating. Of getting back out there. Because I went through an isolation period. It's another message for another time. But I'm going to just say it real quick. You know, I went through an isolation period. And during that isolation period, I had to understand that as I came out that isolation period, I had to, you know, acclimate myself back into society, so to speak. I have to, you know, learn how to be around opposite sex again. And that may sound funny for you, but it, it had been that long for me. Five and a half years of me being single before God gave me the release to get back out here and start dating. And so I had to like, you know, it, things have changed, first of all. Because when I first got, um, went into the isolation period of consecration to the Father, online dating was not really that big of a deal. Like, it, it, it still was kind of taboo even back then. Like, people were a little bit afraid to say that they were dating. On, you know, or that they found somebody online. But now people are just like, everybody finds somebody online. That's just the new wave now. So nobody's ashamed to say it anymore. Um, and so it's like, oh, wait a minute. I got to like learn how to online date. What is that? Uh, I feel like a fish out of water. Okay. So if there was some things, there were some nerves, there were some workings I had to put into practice, not only put into practice what I've learned thus far to make sure that I'm really ready for what I'm praying for and what God's preparing me for, but then also put into practice for my purpose, you know, how to be around opposite sex, how to still, you know, stand up for my faith even in those moments where I may be faced with somebody that may look good but may not be good for my soul hello somebody that's another word right there again for another time because I'm not about to get in some relationships right now but again I'm giving you practical steps for spiritual principles whatever you're praying for whatever you're hoping that God will bless you with for whatever you desire in your heart and you're waiting for God to do that thing understand that there's practice that has to be put into place first. And God only knows when the time is. And so even if you may feel like, but you've been doing one thing long enough and you feel like you've mastered it, then maybe ask God, first of all, have you really mastered it? And also ask him, what more do I need to learn at this level? Because that's what I had to pray. And then God sort of revealed to me more areas. That's so why I went on a sabbatical at the beginning of the year. And, you know, during that sabbatical, God had me, you know, understand like there were a few more things that he needed me to learn on this level. And so I said, okay, God, but I started asking the questions. That was my prayer. I didn't pray, God, how long, God, when. I started to change the prayer of, God, what more do I need to learn at this level? Reveal it to me, make it clear so that I may start working towards that goal. So that I may start putting into practice for my purpose. Practice makes purpose, y'all. So I know this message went a little bit uh, long today, but I pray that somebody uh, receive something out of it. Uh, if anything that you understood, man, give my brother Peter some grace, y'all. Okay? <laughs> Stop dogging my brother Peter, okay? <laughs> so the Lord bless you and keep you. Cause his face to shine upon you. May the Lord our God be gracious to you. Show you his favor and give you his shalom. Give you his peace. Take care. Bye now.